welcome to this episode of Rencast. We have a really cool one for you today, and we have a real special guest that's going to be joining us. And before I turn this over to Jake to introduce our guest, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Now, I know a lot of folks will say, well, why do I need to subscribe? But it's very important for us to be able to increase our subscribers so that we can offer this content to you at no charge. Now, if you prefer to listen to Rencast in podcasting format, you can do that on Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, okay? So now I'm going to turn it over to Jake to introduce our guest. Jake? So this evening, we have a guest with us, John. John is a proud owner of a 2004 Boxster S, and John is one of our IMS Solution Preventative Package customers from back in 2015. So, you know, a lot of people, they, they, they kind of diss the Boxster. They don't really understand it. John loves his Boxster. I like Boxsters because they're simple. When a Boxster was the first water-cooled Porsche I ever owned. It's what we started with here. And all you 911 guys out there, you know, you're, if you're a 996, you have the same engine as a Boxster. I'm sorry to tell you, but it's the same engine, a little bit bigger but it still has the same inherent problems. It's still an M96, M9X engine. And it's not just a Boxster engine. It's not just a 996 engine. It is the engine that was used in both those platforms. So don't think that if you're watching this or listening to this, that you will just be able to benefit if you're a Boxster owner. You'll be able to benefit if you own any M9X powered Porsche. And even if you don't, you'll understand a lot more about IMS bearing failures, IMS solution, and all these things as we go along. If you didn't understand it before, you'll understand it now, and you'll understand it from a different perspective because we're going to have a guy here who has lived it. So to me, that's important because I'm the inventor. I'm the developer. I don't sell this stuff anymore. I don't care about sales. Sales is my thing. You know, I'm not a people person. I'm a mechanical person. I make machines live. I manipulate machines. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm not here to make you think that I'm something I'm not. What I'm here is to manipulate a machine and make it freaking work. That's my idea. That's what I do. And John appreciated that. And John brought his car to us from out of state. And he left it with us in our care and control. And now I'm going to let John help you understand what he went through with that. So, John, if you can tell them a little bit about the background, you know, why you bought the Boxster, why you pretty much immediately brought it to us, pretty much right after you bought the car, what the driving factor was behind that, and then why you chose us to install the IMS solution. Well, thank you so much, Jake. Uh, I'm so happy to, to share my story with uh, everyone out there. So uh, basically, uh, I'm a sports car fanatic, and uh, I, I love convertibles. And uh, I had a 1993 Mazda Miata, and it was my only car for 20-plus years. And uh, I was getting a little bit older. My wife and I like to take driving vacations. It's, it's what we like to do. We like to hop in the car and just drive. And so I said, hey, honey, I want a little bit bigger car than the Miata. I'm uh, thinking about getting a Porsche Boxster. She says, great. So uh, I started doing some research, and I knew nothing nothing about Porsches other than I knew they were supposedly great cars. Well, in my research, I, I joined the forums and started reading and, and looked around and, and discovered this uh, IMS problem. And uh, Peter Egan, who is a columnist for Road Track Magazine, had a Boxster and it blew up and grenaded on him. And they talked about the, the CEL came on. Well, that's the change engine light. 
and it grenaded. Uh, and I thought, holy crap, what am I getting into? Maybe I don't want one of these things. So I started doing some research and I discovered that you had invented this IMS solution. And uh, I have enough of an engineering background to realize that, gee, a, a diamond-like coating on a plain bearing fed with clean oil replacing a roller bearing with races and all these moving parts. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So uh, I called your shop and I got a hold of Judd, uh, who was working for you at the time. I don't know if Judd's still there. Still there. General manager, yeah. he's still there. Yep. Great guy. And I had not bought a Porsche, did not own a Porsche. I called, cold called out of the blue, got a hold of Judd. Judd talked to me for an hour and a half. Didn't ask for money, didn't ask for anything. He said, well, this is what you got to look out for. Gave me all the ins and outs. Said, you really should do a, a, a pre-purchase inspection. And, and, and it just, it, it was so, it put me at ease knowing after speaking with Judd, I realized what I had to do. So I, I kind of factored in the cost of, of your preventative maintenance uh, uh, list, uh, the, the IMS bearing, uh, replacing the cam chain tensioners, the AOS, uh, the water pump, and so on. Uh, so I found a car in Chattanooga. Uh, I had a buddy of mine that happened to be in Chattanooga. He looked at the car. He drove the car. He said, man, you need to buy this car. Didn't do a PPI, which I know is wrong, but uh, I had the whole history of the car. Yeah, I know. I know. I took a chance. I rolled the dice. I got lucky. So uh, I rented a car one way to Chattanooga, bought the car, drove it back home uh, to my home down here on the Gulf Coast, and I immediately put it on a flatbed and sent it to your shop. And you guys performed the service, and, and uh, I was away from town. I traveled for work. You guys uh, sent the flatbed driver. I was not home at the time. My wife was home alone. My wife does not understand anything about machinery. And your driver put my wife at ease. He was awesome. Uh, made my wife feel very comfortable. Loaded up the Boxster, sent it off to you. You guys did the work, sent the car back. Again, I was not home when the car arrived. Uh, the guy made my wife feel very comfortable, unloaded the car, and that was 2015 when that happened. Uh, and and I, again, I bought the car because we, we like to take driving vacations. And now here it is 20, 25 years later, and I've put 40,000 miles on the car. We've driven that car to Savannah, uh, Charleston, uh, the Grand Canyon, all over Utah, the, the Mighty Five National Parks in Utah. Uh, we drove it to Colorado, drove all around Colorado, drove through mountain passes at 12,000 feet, went to Aspen, uh, all over the Texas Hill Country, Arkansas for the fall foliage tours. And we literally just got back uh, about five days ago from uh, about a 4,500 mile, 5,000 mile trip around Colorado. We went to Crested Butte, went out to Grand Junction, drove all over, uh, drove across 12,000 foot passes in the car, uh, drove stupid fast uh, across the Texas Panhandle, and the thing just runs like a top. And I have total confidence in driving the car with my wife in the middle of nowhere with no cell phone service at two o'clock in the morning because of the work you did. Well, I mean, that, and that's what I, that's what we like, right? You know, to me, that, that means that we whipped the machine, we manipulated the machine, and we created something that not only performs, but it gives you that peace of mind. And that's the thing that you just don't have a lot of times. And, and that's what, 
you know, when you first buy one of these cars, we get this question every day, sometimes multiple times a day. I'm worried. I'm worried. Well, you know, we get it. And at the same time, you know, it's hard to tell people the truth about these engines and not worry them. It's never the goal to worry somebody. All I want to do is plant that seed to let you know that you can do some things to address these issues and make a great car out of a car that has a crippled engine. You know, that's the problem. You know, the rest of the car, like we talked about last week, Bobby, they, these cars, they just don't have problems. The car doesn't have problems. So it makes sense that we did all this. And it's like when I invented the IMS solution, we looked at all the costs it was going to take to do this and how many years at that time we thought we were going to spend on it, but it ended up being double that amount of time. And, and I said, why do we need to do it? Are these cars going to be thrown away? You know, is it going to become just a Miata? Is it going to become something that nobody cares about because there's so many of them out there and they're water cooled? Are they going to have that cult following? And they have, right? They, they really have. And the reason why they have is because it's a damn good car. I mean, you know, when you go on these trips, don't ever be worried about your brakes or your transmission. That stuff never breaks, right? Um, but that idea, that mindset of it being something that is one and done, You're, you, you do it, you bite the bullet, you buy the right car, you spend the right money, you spend it on the right things, and you address it, and it's done. And I see too many people that buy these cars right away, and a classic is they they always want to go buy new floor mats. I don't know what it is. Right away, they want to go buy new floor mats, right? That's just what they do, and I, I, it's just crazy. So they, they go look up floor mats for the car, and then they Google something, and it pops up Porsche engine failure. They're like, huh? Uh, didn't know anything about that. And then they start figuring it out after they just bought a car that yeah. now they're in love with. So you're in a different boat than that. You knew about the problem beforehand. You bought the right car. You didn't get a PPI, but you knew you were going to send it to us. And yeah. maybe that was going to cancel that out. Jack, right? I have a question ahead, for him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time on the forums too. And I, and it's just my opinion that people are more reactive than proactive when they purchase a vehicle, right? They, they're looking at the wrong thing. But you are a very unique owner. You actually already started doing your homework. So I was just curious, how much time did you spend before you purchased this car? But you, knew, you went into this car knowing, hey, we need to make this car right and make it, uh, you know, basically, well, I guess what your feelings are like mine. You know, when I bought my 996, I'm immediately calling Jake and saying, we need to get this IMS solution in this thing. Because it just made sense to me because I'm, I'm look, listening at the history of the 911 and the plane bearing design. And I'm thinking, hey, why would they go for ball bearing? You know, so right. my whole thing from the start was like, we want to get this thing and get, a, uh, get it into Flight 6 Innovations and get a, a, an IMS solution on, on uh, installed. So how much time did you spend, John? I mean, what did you look at? What were the things going on in your mind? Were you just Googling and all of a sudden, boom, it happened? Or what? Well, so I, I've been a car enthusiast my whole life. And uh, yeah, I grew up reading uh, Road and Track and Car and Driver. And, and, and uh, uh, 
I have a lot of friends in the car business. So I've worked closely with people in the car business and, and, and I have enough of an engineering background to understand how machinery works. And I've, I've turned a wrench in my life and I ride motorcycles, which also helps because if you ride a motorcycle, you, you learn how to maintain your motorcycle. Uh, you just do, you know, the, the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's very Zen-like. Somebody wrote a book about that. Uh, so I spent about three months uh, researching the Boxster when I decided I wanted one. And I'd always lusted after them, but I never could afford one. I'm a working guy. I don't make a lot of money. And the Miata was spectacular. I love my Miata. I raced my Miata. I tracked it. My wife and I drove it all over the country. I drove the Miata everywhere at all four corners of the country. But it was time for a bigger car. Always wanted a Boxster. I thought they were beautiful, mid-engine, perfect. How many mid-engine two-seat convertibles are there? Not many, right? Uh, and the Boxster was the one. And so I, I joined the 986 forum and started reading the forums. I joined Renlist and started reading the forums. Oh, my God. The forums are filled with I nut know. jobs. Oh, uh, I know. So, I know. So, I mean. They're called for, I, it's a for, it's a, John, it's a forumite. A forumite. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a form. It's, a, it's basically a parasite. It's a parasite. Yeah. So it's a forumite form of parasite. Go ahead. Right, Roger that. So I, I, it, it, so it took me about three months of just reading nonstop to figure out. Okay, that guy I think is okay. That guy's nuts. This guy's got to be a fifteen-year-old. You know, and, and, and so reading it all, I realized, okay, these are the issues. Did all my research, uh, and, and that's when I called Judd. That's when I called you, and I'm telling you. Judd is why I'm the happiest guy on the planet. Uh, well, obviously you're behind that, but but that phone call to Judd when he explained all the issues with the vehicle and and, and hey, we've got a fix for it. I said, you know what? That's the thing to do. So I basically decided, Bobby, that I would uh, budget a certain amount of money to purchase the right car, and I would budget a certain amount of money to send it to Jake at Flat Six Innovations to fix the known failure points. And, yes. and, 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 yeah. and Jake had a really nice website that said, okay, these are the things that could grenade gotcha. one of these cars. Gotcha. Here's what you do for each one. And, and it was logical to me. If you know about machinery, it's logical. The IMS solution, logical. Uh, the, 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 um, the cam chain tensioner is logical. The AOS, logical. The water pump, logical. You can see why they failed. It makes yes. sense. Yes. I mean, it's like if every, I wish everybody would take this attitude because it's not just unique to a Porsche. Every car has failure. Points. Oh, every car. You, you know, if you every don't address car. if you don't address it, you're going to be on the side of the road. So when I'm listening to you talk, I think about you want to take your wife and have a great trip. You don't want to be left on the side of the road. You don't exactly. want to experience catastrophic engine failure when you're trying to have fun yeah. on a vacation. Yeah. So, again, I, I've done my share of racing. I'm not race car guy anymore. I, that, that, that was a younger version of me. I wanted a vacation car to take my wife across country and not worry about breaking down in the middle of Utah at 3 a.m. in a thunderstorm. And I wanted a reliable, fun car. And that's what I have, thanks to you guys. Uh, this car is, is the most amazing car I've ever owned. Every day I find new things about it that I love. Every day I find something about it. I go, wow, that's exactly the way I would have built it. And, yeah, well, and it's just so much I, fun. 
you know, as I was telling you when we uh, before we started our show, you know, I'm a big 996 fan, but everybody that's had these boxers, man, they said, Bobby, you got to try this mid-engine design. They just turn the engine around, and it just changes the whole dynamics of the car. Well, I mean, and the engine is where it belongs. That's the way I look yeah. at it, right? And, and, and if Porsche finally figured that out again, look at the race car, right? I mean, you know, that's the thing. They finally put the engine where it belongs, in the middle. Um, but I know the reason why they didn't do it. And hey, trust me, I love a rear engine car. They might be a tail dragger, but I love it. I mean, I've been driving a Volkswagen all my life, and I drive more Volkswagens than I do Porsches these days. Um, but, John, you're a perfect example of our customer, not just from an IMS solution perspective, but a guy that, you know, comes to us honestly because he's had a failure, and he either thought it was hype. Usually our customers don't think it was hype. They just didn't want to deal with it and had the car off the road for a long time when it was not necessary as far as they were, were concerned. And, you know, I kind of get that. But like with you, the car was low mileage. It had like 25,000 miles on it at the time, right? Yeah. So it was a lower mileage car, um, you know, and, and it was a good car all the way around. There's not much that happens to a Boxster S other than IMS stuff, obviously, and the cam, cam chain tensioners and all that stuff that we did. But, you know, when you texted me the other day, and you said, hey, I just got back from this trip. I said, dude, what did I say? I said, you need to change the crank position sensor, right? right? Before your next trip, do that. You know why? Because we're seeing those take engines out. I personally had one leave me on the side of the road, only a mile away, right? And my wife had to come pick me up and rescue me in a 996. It belonged to a customer because the crank sensor failed. Now, crank sensors are failing. So crank sensor and your fuel pump relay. Fuel pump relays are leaving people on the side of the road, you know. And the thing is, when you put a new one in it, then take your old one and keep it in the glove box because it'll be your backup, right? So, I mean, that's the that, that's the thing that, that we notice is over time, the, the time and service, the practical application, seeing what happens, gathering the trend data. You know, if I would have talked to somebody three or four years ago, I would never would have said change your crank position sensor. We weren't seeing them fail. Yeah, every now and then one failed, but now – we're seeing problems, hot start problems, all that sort of thing, and we're seeing fuel pump issues. I also told you, change your fuel pump. Yeah. Now, your car's only got 65,000 miles on it at this point, but it's also been in service for 16 years. Right. That is 16 years being exposed to modern fuel, at least since 2007, the worst modern fuel. And, and we know that those fuel vapors and all that stuff is killing pumps. That's why I told you before you go out again, new fuel pump relay, a new fuel pump, and change a crank sensor. Because one of those is what I think would leave you on the side of the road. Now, like you said, when, when you called and you talked to Judd, I think it's important people understand I don't have any salespeople, right? We right. don't nobody here is a salesperson, right? I, I, I've never trained a salesperson. I would never have a salesperson. Judd is a communicator, and he gets the same phone call that he got from you hundreds of times per year, sometimes that same phone call two or three times a day. So over time, he has learned about that. And one time he told me, he's like, man, when I talk to these people, you know, we're not even really doing IMS work anymore because we're so busy building engines. I mean, we, we have a fact, engine factory now. I mean, we only do IMS work twice a year. We have a clinic. We have that clinic in May. We have it in November. It's booked six months ahead of time, all the time. We do about 12 cars back to back to back. 
do it, take them through all the processes, and that's what we do. But he tells me, look, you know, I talk to these people and I answer all the questions, but I kind of feel like I'm doing the company an injustice because we don't sell IMS products. You can't even buy a solution from me if you try. You can't buy tools from me if you try. And he says, you know, we're only doing 12 of these or 15 of these jobs a year. You know, do you want me to take the time with these people? I said, it's imperative that you take the time with the people because if you don't take the time with the people, they're going to get information from somebody that has absolutely no idea what the hell he's talking about. He's stolen an idea from somebody on Pelican Parts forums, and he's created a product that's an absolute joke, and the guy doesn't even know it. He doesn't even know what he's got, and moreover, he used to be a customer of Ellen Engineering before he thought he would get smart and start trying to make money, and all these people jumped on the bandwagon. So that's one reason why I think it's important that people understand the difference between the IMS solution as a product and just a solution to a problem that people always talk about, right? There's a reason why when I invented this thing, it took me forever to come up with a name. Now, nobody knew that because nobody knew the thing existed. I remember the first time we built one of these, you know, an engine and, and had a solution in it years ago, before anybody knew it existed, the guy took it to a dealership in, in, in somewhere in South Carolina, and he's, the dealership called and said, has this thing got a hydraulic, some kind of hydraulic clutch in it? Why is there an oil line going up to it? He took it there to have the oil changed, and they're like, what the hell is this oil line? I just played dumb. They never figured it out, right? Um and then I did a little trick one time where I hit a camera underneath the car and let a dealership find the IMS solution, and they had no idea what they were looking at. That's another thing. But anyway, what I'm getting at is it's important that people understand when they're trying to make a decision about a car and about how to attack that car from a preventative perspective that they understand that they want to do what you did. You know, no, and I don't even care what product you buy. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I got cut apart IMS bearings around here and all that. I live, eat, and breathe this, breathe this stuff, but I don't sell it. I don't give a damn what you buy, honestly. Um, just if you buy some copycat product, keep my phone number in your wallet because <laughs> you. Uh, you might need it, but you don't need it because you did what you're supposed to do and you did what was smart. Well, actually, I. I'm, I do need your phone number in my pocket, and I'm glad I have it because here's why. Uh, so the car has been spectacular. Uh, we've driven it to the Grand Canyon. We've driven it to Zion National Park, to Canyonlands National Park. We've driven it to Capitol Reef National Park, which I, I doubt most people have been to. Uh, we've driven it to Arches National Park, all, all over the country. And you should have pictures of, of the car at all of those oh, national yeah. parks. But after I got the car back from you uh, – I, I I did not understand cable shifters. I, I came from a rod shifter Miata where I would just slam shifts. And I did not understand uh, that you have to treat the gear shift lever like a, an egg in a Porsche. And I, I popped out the, the, the shifter cable off the little bracket on the back of the transmission. And my wife and I were stranded. Uh, but the first week we had the car after we got it back from you, oh, and uh, I called you in a panic. Ah, Jake, I'm stuck on the side of the road. The the the, the gear shift lever, it, it, something's wrong. And you told me, crawl under the car, go in the back, see if the cable has popped out of the holder. And sure enough, it did. 
and I was able to pop it back in there. And my wife and I were on the road, and my wife thought I was a hero. And and I have you to thank for that, <laughs> Jake. That's a pretty. That's a pretty common issue with the with the Porsches is that well, I didn't know that the link, the, yeah well the linkage yeah, say, the linkage yeah, kind of pops out yeah well it it can because it just clips in so right. what we started doing after that and it's because the stuff has gotten it's aged right those clips can only be taken right. out so many times and that sort of thing I treat it like it's a helicopter now. I safety wire it. So, you know, when yeah. we do a job, whether it's a solution job or whatever, we drill two little holes. We run a bridge of 40,000 safety wire across it. You're never getting that cable out of there ever again. I noticed, and, and it, and it, I noticed I, that I, on my car. I noticed yeah, you, that you guys have gone so, in there and put the wire around the linkage. Yeah, and I really yeah, appreciate that because I heard of some guy doing exactly what John had done. They shifted that thing and all of a sudden pop. Oh, you know. Now if you do if you do the safety wire thing, and John, I'll send you a picture of what to do. I'll even let oh, you know. Oh no, I've done it. I've done it with zip ties, the greatest okay. invention on the planet. Oh yeah. Well zip, zip ties are great, but the safety wire, you, you you can jam the shifter as hard as you want. But the problem is another thing that you need to address with that boxster is there's underneath the shifter there's some little plastic pieces that connect onto the cables and those right. are starting to dry crack and they're starting to fail especially bad in the 987 series cars um, but you definitely need i would say you look at all that stuff because it's another one of those stupid things that'll leave you on the side of the road um and again it's just what we see over time uh, i mean i've had that leave us on the side of the road out testing a car um so, but yeah. yeah, that was, that was interesting. You had my phone number, you called me and, and we got it taken care of. And then I was looking at my phone and actually these are a bunch of pictures that you had sent to me from all yep. over the place. And Bobby's going to throw those in the, in the uh, stream here. So, but I like seeing that stuff, you know? Uh, and the thing is not everybody gets my phone number. You got to be, <laughs> dude, you have got to be a, a, a cool guy to get my phone number because otherwise, you know, I, Nobody calls me, right? I mean, I, they, they just don't. Uh, nobody has my phone number. Very few Well, I, I appreciate that. I and, have and, your and phone Jake, number. I, no, no I, I feel very honored <laughs> that I do have it. And I got to tell you, I, tr I purposely try not to be a pest, and, and I can't thank you enough for everything. Again, it, it's hard to I, – I cannot convey enough to the general – whoever is watching this show, how much your guy who delivered the car – picked up the car from our house, brought it to you and brought it back, made my wife feel at ease about the whole thing. I, I cannot, there's no way I can impress upon people how big a deal that was. Oh, John. Oh, yeah. Well, you, right, we can do a whole show on towing vehicles. It, we're going to. No, I, I want to do it. I want to do a Rencast about vehicle shipping because everything's changed. So, John, since since we did that, right, we have a good network of people, and I've become a shipping broker so we can broker the stuff out ourselves. We can look at their insurance ratings. We can look at their bonds. We can see their driving record. We have access to all that, and we only use people that are good. Well, sometimes they're, they look better than they are. So the problem was about a year and a half ago, the government implemented ELD, an electronic logging device. And that went into all the trucks, and the guys, they couldn't cheat their logbooks anymore. Okay, any, any truck driver worth his salt knows how to cheat a logbook. They all do it. That's the only way they could make any money. 
With this, you can't cheat your logbook anymore because it keeps track of how long you've been driving. It knows where you've gone. It knows when you get to the end of your crew day and you're screwed, okay? So a lot of those really good guys, they stopped doing the jobs. They stopped wow. doing it. They found something else to do because they couldn't make any money. So a lot of those mom and pops are mostly husband and wives that were driving together as teams. Stop doing that. Now, we have a small group of them that we have retained, and we use them for – I got one Gulf Coast guy. I've got a Pacific Northwest guy, and, and that's what we do. But it's a challenge now to ship a car and do it the proper way, and a lot of that is dependent upon the person that's the owner of the car too. We make sure that you understand how to fill out your own inspection sheet. Make sure the driver doesn't go put a bunch of crap on there that's not on it. There's a bunch of scams those guys can do. So, you know, we are big about not letting somebody find their own driver because if we do that, we can't look into that driver's history. We can't tell if the guy's worth a damn or not. We can't tell if we've used him or not. We never know when he's going to show up. We never know if he was supposed to drive up and just leave a car sitting in the parking lot overnight, it, it, and none of that crap works. So we have had to start using more exclusive shippers that charge a lot more money because they actually offer the service that everybody used to offer because they're charging more money for it. It's more of a white glove, if you will. So – you know, you can't expect expect that experience to be as the way it was now. You know, now the way it was back then. Even though I think we got the guy that, that drove your car is still hauling for us. I think he's still hauling. But that's a challenge, and that's something people also need to understand is that we live from a transport truck. You know, we we get cars here from all over North America. I've got a car here on the way from Sweden right now. Um, you know, I've got engines in Hong Kong. I've got a car here from Hawaii. These cars get shipped internationally, then they come to a port, and then we get them picked up, bring them to us, or they come out of Canada or wherever. Um, Greenland, I got a car, I've got engines in Greenland. Wow. So that's um, definitely something to think about um, because people, they don't always know how to ship a car. It's not like, you know, it's not like saying, hey, I want to, you know, I want to ship this box and you just have somebody come pick it up. People think that's the way it is. They think that they can call a number they look at something online and they schedule a truck driver to come there he picks a car up you get a tracking number there's none of that crap don't you know don't think that's going to happen um because these truck drivers are historically the most disorganized group of people you're ever going to find that that is the way that i look at it now i might piss a truck driver off by saying that but my, based on my experience they're just disorganized now there are exceptions to the rule and when i find an exception he is a real exception that's over the top, and we always get that guy's phone number. Um, but, yeah, that's that's something that we, we – I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of people depend on their wives to ship the cars to or from us when they're away. And, you know, we provided that list. We told you what to do. You made sure your wife did it all, and it was all great. So I'm also glad you were able to share that because not a lot of people think about the logistics that go into this. Judd is a logistics magician. That's oh, yeah. what he does. Yeah. No, the guy was amazing. Uh, and, and for people who are out there and maybe they've been on the forums and they, 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 they are vaguely aware of you and your service and flat six and this and that and don't, under, don't appreciate what's involved, I got to tell you, it, it was the most – dealing with you and your company it was the finest, easiest – most satisfying transaction of my life 
and, and, and our life is so much more fun because of us knowing you and me buying this car and shipping it to you. And we've had so much joy from owning this Boxster and, and knowing that we can drive it cross country at the drop of a hat and not have to worry about it. That's all the time we have for this episode of Rencast. I want to thank Jake Raby and our guest, John, for joining us today and, and having a great spirited debate on the topics surrounding Porsche cars. And uh, we want to encourage you to please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you rather, you know, listen to us on podcasting format, you can do that, Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, or Spotify. Hope you have a great day. See ya.